All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to our uh, the first episode. Not important, though, if you're hearing this after the second or the third or the fourth episode somewhere in the future. Uh, but this just happens to be our first episode of our new uh, episodically modular, but also with, with some more seriality. But still, you'll be able to listen to it in every order, in any order. In every order, because they take so much time at the beginning to catch you up. Uh, it's part of me tucking you in, is making sure you know where you are. You're here with sleeping me in a safe place, uh, which is where the story is. But in this situation, you don't need to be caught up because uh, the main character is just going to introduce everything. In uh, you know, start the the, the story begins. Uh, I think. Uh, and this story will only feel never-ending, uh, hardy har har. But uh, ideally, even this intro or my usually my recaps uh, of most series at the beginning kind of can feel that way. Importantly, because I'm here to keep you company and take your mind off of stuff. So this new series is called Otter O T T E R. Who doesn't love an otter? Uh, probably, I mean, maybe some like an otter's neighbor or something, or. Uh, bivalves may not love otters, uh, but we do. And this show is called Otter Things. It's a series about a world of otters and other uh, uh, creatures that live somewhere in a forest wetlands, a swamp forest type deal. Uh, strongly influenced by many things, strong, had strong influence on me recently and far into the past. So I hope you enjoy it. And here is our Hollywood presenter, Mr. Antonio Banderas. Uh, Scooter coming to you live uh, across. Uh, I'm so glad you set up a camera for me. Uh, the ladies, the gentlemen, the boys, the girls, the friends beyond the binary. It's time for the first episode of Otter Things Splash. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Antonio. So yeah, Antonio's uh, like uh, like uh, coming in through a streaming uh, thingamajig I set up. Now I did I do do always ask you like you're the only person that's on mute, and it doesn't sound like you're on mute. Like if you if you ever have a, like if you're ever video conferencing with Antonio, uh, he says we've checked it, we've gone through. I said, are you sure? It shows you're on mute. You say you're on mute. Uh, you're the loudest muter I've ever heard. Uh, like, uh, when you're on mute, I can still hear you. Probably because your handsome smile and you're in my heart. Uh, and he's on mute. That's why you can only hear, like, his... I don't know. Maybe it's just a, the, the sound carries from all the way from uh, wherever Antonio is to here. Because I miss him so much. Uh, but he's here right here with me. Oh, boy. Do I feel handsome when I'm close to him? Like being in the warm sun. That's uh, Mr. Antonio Banderas, and this is our series, uh, Otter Things. Hey, how you doing? My name's Emma Otter, and uh, this is, I'm going to tell you a story about me and my friends and the place we live and uh, the events we've, uh, we've uh, been, been through. I'm in eighth grade. And this is my radio show uh, about a, a story of uh, some unbelievable events uh, that uh, me and my friends faced. I'm, I'm uh, in my whole town, the place where we live, 
am recording it all for posterity. Hopefully it'll be on the radio. I don't know, though. But I'm in eighth grade. It's uh, fall of 1991 when I'm recording this. I don't know when you're hearing this. Maybe I'm listening to it uh, as a much wiser Emma Otter. But my friends and my family, my neighbors and uh, teachers, everyone in my community, we live in a, a place, uh, some might call it just a swamp, some might call it a forest, some would call it a refuge. Uh, some even would call it the, the Duffer Refuge, but it, uh, you know, but we call it home. It's, I guess it's a swamp in a forest uh, or a wetlands area. Uh, and on all three sides, I guess I could describe to you what it is. It's got water, it's got trees, uh, it's got dry land, it's got wet, wet, you know, wetland, which is land under the water. And on all three sides, it kind of stretches out for what seems like forever. You know, but our town has its general borders and there's places beyond and Places we've heard of that we've never been, like River Bottom and in Henson Town, all these wonderful, wonderful places you could go. But mostly we just stay in our town. You know, people move away to those places. Uh, people move away to those places, but that's where we are. And on three sides, it just kind of goes on and on from swamp and wetlands and forest. I don't know. I haven't been too far. And then there's one other border on our town, which I'll talk about on the other side. Well, it's a road, uh, and on the other side of the road is a place we never go. And I I guess I'm telling you all this because I want you to know that I'm here telling you this story right now. So everything with Emma Otter and all my friends and even my town, while things are odd in my town and... uh, you know, you say, well, I look at things differently now than I did when this started, and not that long ago, in fall of 1991. Uh, everything's okay, and me and my friends are fine, and we, we're back to living our lives. So we're a little bit more mature, and we take life uh, and savor it a little bit more here where we live in uh, the Duffer Refuge. But I just want to tell you that because clearly I'm recording this and clearly you're listening to it. So you'd probably want to know, well, what kind of story are you going to tell us, Emma? Well, it's a story about friendship. It's a story about adventure. It's a story uh, about parents and authority figures just not understanding. It's a story with magic and with discovery but it's also a story like a lot of those things you think about as a kid. And I guess I should start at the beginning of the story. You know, there's the place I'm Emma Otter. And I live with my my parents and my baby brother and my older brother, Tefe. And I'm an otter, right? Like I said. And my next question might be, Emma, tell us, I heard you had some friends. Tell us about your friends or tell us about your family. i tell you about my friends first. And I don't like to say who my best friend is, you know, because some people won't want to hear that. So if you do, but I have to be honest with you that I do have a best friend and I have other very, 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 very close friends. 
So, uh, you know, I want you to know that if you're listening, you could be a very, 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 very close friend of mine. Maybe you want to skip over this part or plug your ears. Uh, you know, why don't you plug your ears if you're one of my, you say, well, am I, am I Emma's best friend? Just plug your ears if you're friends with me. And, and you, cause you are, of course you are. If you're listening to this and we're friends, you're my best friend. Now let's keep that, and you just, for the next 40 seconds, put your fingers in your ears and say, best friend, best friend, best friend, best friend. It feels really good. Okay, so I'll tell you, my best friend is, her, her, her name's Willow, and Willow's a beaver, and Willow lives with her uh, sister, Dari, and her mom, Frances, uh, and, you know, Willow's really cool. And then I have two very, very close friends uh, named LJ and V, uh, Elijah and Vaughn. And Elijah's a porcupine and Vaughn's a muskrat. And what we like to do, my, my hi, my, welcome back, best friend. My best friend and my other friends, uh, my friends and I, uh, so Willow, Vaughn, and LJ, we like to play a game called uh, uh, Big Bunnies and Bards. And it, it, you say, Big Bunnies and Bards, in my world, I don't have that game. Maybe you're listening, or maybe you're a big fan. You say, oh boy, I play Big Bunny and Bards every weekend for hours and hours at a time. But as I learn about this radio and, and making something, I know I should explain it to you. So b- b- bunnies and bards, big bunnies and bards, uh, we call it BB&B, is a role-playing game where you take on the role of different bards. Uh, now, it says a lot about where we live in our community, and the greater thing is that bards are a big deal where we live, or... In the olden days, they were called bards. Now they're called musicians. You know, I come from a family of musicians, and my my granduncle was a famous musician. My parents are musicians, and a lot of my friends and family they work in music. We we, we we're mu- people who come to our community uh, to hear music or, or to get music or to have musical instruments, you know, music related businesses and jobs. And so music plays an important part of our lives from when we grow up. And I don't know if it's intentional that the game uh, Big Bunnies and Bards is so popular. Because actually, as far as I know, just me and my friends play it. With all all the other kids at school kind of say, isn't that a baby game? I say, oh, no, no, it's a role-playing game. A musical role-playing game, actually. Or if they sign music classes, they say, rehearsal's so dull. I said, well, you should try playing Big Bunnies and Bards because you get to practice and play music. What if music could be a thing to cast a magical spell? Or your instrument, it could be a device uh, where you could use it to defend your town against a big bunny. So that's the roles you play as bards, different bards, you know, uh, like other role-playing games maybe you've heard of. There's magic, and there's warriors, and there's uh, princesses, and, and princes, and and all different creatures, even creatures not from the swamp, from other woodland areas, particularly big bunnies. You might say, what's a big bunny? 
Now, I'm old enough to know that what a metaphor is, but a big bunny and the big bunny is, is a big part of the game. And it is a giant, there's giant bunnies and they have powers that they're very powerful in music and magic and they're big. And some big bunnies are fuzzy and friendly and, you know, like it could be nice and some bunnies are very voracious. And that's where it kind of comes into the metaphor place. Because in the lore of the game, all the big bunnies, even the ones that say, hey, we're good, we love uh, otters, we love muskrats, we love porcupines, beavers, uh, the big bunnies in those that game, they still have a tendency to hoard and eat a lot of uh, food. And in our community, uh, in the wetlands, in the swamp, and even in the forest areas, uh, you know, winter's coming, particularly right now. And one thing our community relies on one another for, you know, we all make music and we exchange, you know, we have money that we exchange, you know, it's like in, even in um, Big Bunnies and Bards, they they have gold pieces, right? But that's a symbol from the days of bartering. But a community, a lot of communities, people rely on one another and they rely on their own responsibility to themselves in the community in preparing for winter and storing food or planning their winter foodstuffs. And I don't want to get into the mayor and all that stuff about planning that stuff around. Not my job. but So that's a really important stuff for us is to have everybody has to have stuff to winter because there's not stuff growing and things get a little bit quieter here in the refuge. Now, uh... Yeah, the big bunny comes in because what if a big bunny actually did come to your community? And kids, we, we say, well, big bunnies aren't real, Emma. And they'd say, really? Well, what if one came and ate all our food and ate all the town's food and all that? It's a, and we know adults think about it a lot, you know, but they say, well, big bunnies aren't real. You know, not having the proper humidity for storage, Emma. The big bunny's just a metaphor. And I say, well, really, is it or is it not? Uh, because in this story, you'll learn that maybe uh, metaphors can be, be more than metaphors. They could be real. But a big bunny's not exactly something to be just so worried about, but to be concerned about. And in the game of big bunnies and bards. Uh, and actually, let me just tell you, this was a Sunday and me and my friends, uh, Willow V and LJ and I, we were playing a game of big bunnies and bards. And I was, the, was, was the maestro as they call it, leading the game and telling the story. And it was again, once again, we had gone and we had discovered a, a stronghold of full of uh, these nuts that had been dried in the sun. But at the same time, we we're going to bring them back, you know, to a kingdom that had hired us to, to, to save the day. And I guess I always include myself. I always imagine I'm in the party, even when I'm playing as a maestro. Yeah, they call it, I guess they call it like uh, empathy. They call it a little bit. To be a good maestro, you have to empathize with your, your players. But so uh, there they were, uh, L.J. Vaughn and Willow. 
And, of course, right as they were about to, to, to seal up uh, this stronghold full of nuts, uh, a big bunny approached over the horizon. First, they could feel it. Uh, they could hear its chittering, chittering sound or whatever you want to call it. it it's a salvation and moving its mouth. They could hear its whiskers brushing across the treetops, uh, and see its cute one ear, one of the two ears flopping even as it bounced uh, towards the stronghold. With you know, just one thing in mind: just securing the stronghold for itself and maybe hoarding our food. And my friends Vaughn and LJ. And Will started to argue, hey, you make sure we, we gotta, we'll, we'll use, you know, we'll first we'll use ranged music and then we'll use the spell of unwinding. Well, what if we take, what if we throw the, some of the, like they were arguing back and forth. And like finally, uh, Vaughn kind of said, well, what if we use uh, Willow as bait uh, and we'll, you know, we'll, 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 we'll put Willow there. And then it was, Will said, I'm not bait. You know, I'm, I'm a, I, you know, I'm a magic user. I can, I can use my songs to weave a web uh, to protect it. And they said, well, it's too, this bunny's too big. This is the largest bunny we've ever faced. Uh, this is the big bunny. And it went back and forth and back and forth and well, like running through everything they had as the big bunny still approached. And then LJ said to Willow, "Like I think you're just too scared to be bait, even. Like, what do you don't don't like? Uh, don't you want to do like this is a plan that's going to work?" And uh, then Willow, at first Willow was, had a frowny face and said, geez, well, that's, n- n- I don't want to be bait or I don't want to be, like, I want to enjoy this fun game with my friends. But strong feelings are an important part about coming to a consensus in this game. And so Willow took a second to think about what would have been said. And then Willow said, uh, I'll show you some bait. Uh, I have a- an idea and they said, what is it, Willow? And she said, double bait. And I said, what do you mean double bait? And Willow said, I'm going to cast a spell of imaging where I sing a song and I'm playing a song of protection. It's just an illusion in front of the stronghold as the big bunny approaches. Uh, the big bunny, big bunnies are also very, very intelligent Uh if the big bunny is anything like most big bunnies, we know it's the big bunny. It'll know that just like you were saying that we're leaving, we're, like we're trying to draw the big bunny in. And Willow said at the same time, I'll open up a satchel of nuts and I'll use it. Also use my uh, song of carrying to be able to carry a thousand times my body weight, uh, and I'll carry a thousand times my body weight and, and, and nuts away uh, from the stronghold. Because there's you know tens and tens of thousands of nuts here. And I'll lead the big bunny away. Uh, and you go to the tent, ride to the town uh, and get the people from the town to come and, and take the nuts from the stronghold back to the town. Uh, for the town was in a region that the big bunny could not reach. Uh, so due to other powerful magics, you see, just part of the story, you know. 
And I said, okay, well, we have to roll the dice to see if any of these spells actually work, uh, Big Willow uh, and the Big Bunny. And it was just as Willow got to, got ready to roll. First, we had to roll for initiative uh, to see. The Bunny was still out of range. You know, we had to roll a few dice to, to resolve some things. My mom called downstairs, Emma, Emma, are you still playing that game down there? Do you know what time it is? It's bedtime and dinner time. You miss dinner. And uh, your friends need to go home. I said, Mom, we're just about... She said, you know, N-O-W spells now, Willow. And so I tried to talk her out of it, but the game was over. And actually, uh, uh, Willow... uh, Willow had thrown the 20-sided dice on the floor. My friends, you know, they got ready to leave. And, of course, on the way out, Vaughn, of course, had to stop and say hi to my brother, who Vaughn thinks is the coolest. Tefe, my brother, uh, always looking like the smoothest otter in town. Uh, not a lot going on behind between my brother's ears. But my brother is a very, very attractive otter and witty. Anyway, Vaughn said, geez, well, hey, what's up, Tefe? Uh, like, you know, and he said, hit the road, Vaughn. I'm looking at my hair in the mirror. Uh, and my friends got ready to go. And they had their water bikes, and everybody got on their water bikes, and we said goodnight. And they headed off. They said, oh, we're going to race all the way home. And then before they left, Willow said, uh, uh, I said, "She said, I don't think I don't think that role would have worked." Uh, and I said, "Well, that was a good move. That would have been a good move to uh, double bait. Who would have thought that idea?" And I don't care what they say. That's a brave move to lead the big bunny away. And Willis said, "Thanks, thanks, uh, thanks, Emma." And they hopped on their bikes and they headed off, uh, headed home. Now, like I said, my friends had it out. And, and, you know, maybe you say, well, you kids, you sound like you spent a lot of time imagining and role-playing. Isn't where you live, the wetlands and the refuge, a bit boring? And I'd say it is most of the time. Uh, Like I said, the most interesting thing about the refuge, as far as adventure goes, is a place we're never allowed to go, uh, which is a road uh, they call it, and it has strange noises that come through it, and strange beings. Uh, we're not even supposed to go and look at it, even though we can hear it sometimes. The road rises up and runs across uh, the border. But right in the middle of the road, there's also what they call a tunnel uh, that leads under the road or somewhere else we don't even know. We're never allowed to go there. There's other things, there's structures on the other side of the road that we could see. And of course we go, we, we never go, we'd never go to the tunnel. Uh, but we sit there and we'll sit on a log and look at it and see these strange uh, beings that just go back and forth, uh, make up stories about them, we'll play music. And we'll dare each other, of course, to go in the tunnel. Every kid does that, uh, that, that lives here at Duffer Refuge. There's even like these gates that go up and down uh, sometimes and water flows in and water flows out. Uh, 
It's very mysterious, and we're just told never to think about it and never look at it. And we're asked, did you look at it? Where have you been? Have you been out near the road, anywhere near the road? Remember, never go, like, everything we're taught is never to go there. Now, Willow, uh, Willow's the, the, the least expensive place to live because Willow's just uh, Willow's mom's sister and her uh, is not that far from the road where you can even hear the road sometimes when the whatever it is makes the noise on the road. It just barely from Willow's room. That's one of the windows we we'd sneak out. But anyway, that night they were riding their water bikes home, my friends, uh, and uh, they split up finally, and Vaughn and LJ headed back uh, to their houses, and uh, Willow uh, started to head back uh, to her house. And maybe it was that we played the game for so long, or maybe it wasn't, but Willow thought she heard the sound of a big bunny um, and even ran her uh, water bike right off uh, into kind of a piece of patch of dry land, not that far from her house. Uh, and she left her bike, and then she was convinced she could hear the sounds uh, of a, the click, 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 uh, hey, I'm fuzzy, fuzzy, fuzzy of a big bunny. And Will got in her mind and ran, oh, boy, we're a big bunny. I got to get home, got to get home, got to get home. And as Willow ran home, uh, Willow was positive. Uh, she saw carrot droppings and said, oh, no, I got to get home. And then she ran through her house, and her mom and her sister hadn't gotten home from work yet. So she ran out to their storage shed where they store their winter foodstuffs and tried to double lock it and just see if the big bunny or big little bunnies even had to st- She said, what if it's even little bunnies in there uh, looking around? Um, and uh, Will ran in there and still was convinced Willow could hear this big bunny bounce, bounce, bouncing, just like Easter morning for some of you. Uh, that you say, oh, the cute little bunny's coming. But Willow's saying to eat my food, family's food. Uh, now, like I said, everything's okay as I'm telling you this story. So I don't want you to worry. And one of the reasons things are okay in our town, in one of the ways, you know, not everybody voluntarily uh, shares resources or shares things or, you know, abides by everything. So we have a community resource officer. We call it the, ch- call the chief and a resource team. And our chief uh, chief's name is Leon, but he goes by Bull. He's a big bullfrog. And he's a big grouchy. You know, we, but we didn't really know Bull that well. Uh, you'd see him around town lumbering and had this big bullfrog voice. Uh, but it was known that Bull was one of the few bullfrogs that didn't like to sing, never played any music, and, and never came to any of the concerts uh, or events uh, we always had in the town. And he lived out on one another edge of the swamp, uh, far, not not near the road, but far out, out on, on his own. And he was, yeah, the bullfrog that didn't like music. But Bull was a good and fair uh, chief of community resources and cared really deeply about our community and the job. Though he wasn't perfect and 
He'd like to go to work uh, after everybody else had started. And his gruff exterior, his co-workers loved him. And when he would show up, this one particular Monday, in our story, he showed up to work. And they said, well, Chief, you're uh, right on time. It's almost lunch. He said, okay, okay, well, not quite ready to start the day. You know, it's Monday. It's all still Monday, all the rest of the day. And he said, I need, you know, I need some time to, to breathe through my skin. Uh, so, I'll, you know, I'm going to go in my office and cool it. And they said, well, well, uh, Chief Francis the Beaver said that uh, uh, Willow's not around. And uh, she can't find Willow. Uh, and he said, okay, well, I'll deal with it a bit. And then uh, Bull walked into Bull's office. And there was Francis the Beaver, Willow's mom. And. Uh, she had woken up and started to get ready for work, and so did Dari, uh, Willow's sister, who's like the best student, and one of the mo- not the most popular kid at our, our, our high school. We go to middle school still, but uh, she's a real good student, a, re- a bit stern, though. Uh, but I guess they had woken up and they said, well, where's Willow? Isn't it time for school? And uh, But Willow wasn't there. Uh, and they said, well, I wonder where Willow is. And they called my house and says, Willow there? No. Uh, but at this point, Francis said, Jesus, isn't it weird that uh, Willow's not around? And, and, and Chief Bull said, well, you know, come on, uh, Francis. Uh, Willow's in eighth grade and... You know, some beavers, they decide, uh, they get to, especially, you know, Willow's uh, father was a traveling musician. Uh, Maybe she's got a bit of the musician wanderlust and she had it out on her own. And Francis said, but Willow's just in eighth grade. And she said, well, that's when it, you know, that's when some beavers get the wanderlust, especially musical beavers. And Francis said, she's not like other beavers. She's not like we were when, you know, hanging out at the tunnel or whatever. And uh, Francis's mom, Willow's mom, Francis, I mean, had kind of developed an idea. You know, sometimes it's a friend's fault. And she said, I think they were playing that game, uh, BB&B. And those other kids, uh, you know, Francis is, you know, a little bit less confident and assertive than the other kids. I bet you they double dared Francis to go near the road. I'm positive of it, Chief. Uh, and the Chief said, well, I don't know. I'll look, I'll deal with it. But I'm pretty sure it's just, uh, you know, like, uh, I mean, you're going to have to accept the fact that uh, Francis, you know, that Willow's growing up. Uh, and they went back and forth, and, and Francis left uh, thinking, geez, you know, maybe the chief just doesn't understand. Now, meanwhile, we had gotten to school, and uh, we noticed that Willow's water bike wasn't there. Uh, but we figured that Willow walked or got a ride to school from her sister. Um, and we headed into school, and we had to deal with these pesky kids that thought, that, again, I think that B and B and B is a kid's game, and they're always giving us a hard time. B-U-L-L-I-E-S's. couple of weasels uh, that uh, just on our case, you know, they have their river bottom band jackets and everything like that. Uh, act like they're all cool. 
But we had, it was okay because we happened to have our favorite class that day. Science is sound. Uh, it was our favorite teacher, Russell the Moose. And Science of Sound was just a, about just science uh, using sound, which we all, because we loved music, but we also loved the sounds of or the or whole area. And after class, our teacher told us, great news, I've got in this new, like we've been working on this giant sound collector on the roof of our school, above the trees, where you could catch all sorts of sounds and collect them. It'd just be a giant funnel almost, and funnel the sound so you could listen to them more clearly. And you could also, like, talk into it, and, and maybe we would always imagine that someone out there could hear us. Uh, oh, another thing, as you know, is that, of course, like, my brother is uh, too much. So, so as soon as he got to high school, he's actually trying—he's, like, a—he's always, like, I'm the hottest otter in town and that I have the best otter hair. And he, so he was always trying to convince uh, Willow's older sister, Dari, to go out with him— and he was spending the whole day, and she was saying, well, I have to study. Also, I'm trying to figure out my brother, my sister. Also, I'm trying to figure out where my my sister, maybe she's grown up, or uh, maybe your your brother put her up to a double dare. That's what my mom says. Uh, and uh, my brother, of course, Tefe, was like, well, let's hang out and talk about it later. But secretly, I think Dari thought that my brother was dreamy, just like everybody else does. They don't have to live with him. And I say, what is in your hair? Is that some sort of algae? Like it's like, uh, so, oh, yeah, that's what gives it the glow. So anyway, so we went with our teacher, uh, teacher Russell, to go and start to look at like this next phase of the sound collector we we're working on. And of how we could start to even more clearly funnel it so we could listen in and hear stuff. Uh, All these strange and amazing sounds, birds and water, the road and other things. And like say, wow, we could even hear people playing music in River Bottom. Not that the music there is very good. But right as we started setting it up, uh, Chief Leon showed up and said, I need to talk to you boys. Uh, we had to go back to this place where he worked, the the, the 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 station. And he said, I want you to fess up and tell me the truth. Uh, where's Willow? What, what did you put her up to? And we said, what are you talking? And, of course, Vaughn and LJ tried to blame each other. He said, well, he called, you know, said a coward. And he said, she's bait. And it was talking and talking. And then finally the chief said, please be quiet in a deep, bullfroggy, creaky, dulcet tone. And uh, everybody got quiet. And then uh, Vaughn and LJ started arguing again. There's no, like, you and he said, did you double dare uh, Willow to go uh, near the road or the tunnel under the road? Or tell me now, beyond the road. He said, no, 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 we would never do that. Uh, we know the rules, and we wouldn't put, Willow would never do that anyway. Uh, we would never put Willow up to that. The chief said, are you sure? Like, this, I'm not, I've, I was a kid that wasn't honest. When I when the teacher would say, okay, it's time to be honest, no consequences. I would keep my mouth shut. But the chief said, because of that, I know that I know you should know that I'll get to the bottom of this one way or the other. 
So if you did double there, triple there, you know, don't use a technicality and say, well, it's quadrupled there. If you tried to get Willow to, to, to take something like that, just to prove bravery or whatever, let me know. We said, no, 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 really, we didn't do any of that. Uh, and the chief looked us all over and said, okay, okay. And then we said, well, where would Willow be then? And then she said, well, you know, maybe, you know, wanted, Willow, would Willow have wanted to go out on the road and start her career early? Maybe busk somewhere in a bigger town or something? We said, no, 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 that's not Willow's style. Willow's ready to head out on her own. And the chief said, under the chief's breath, goose chase, uh, uh, then he said, okay, okay, don't worry about it. He said, well, what do you mean? We said, what do you mean goose chase? Like, if it's a goose chase, we want to help. Uh, and she said, no, 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 no. You boys go home. Uh, that's it, period, of end of story. No kids helping out. And just, just to kind of tell you what a goose chase is. So another thing, you know, other than is uh, at some point uh, – and I don't know what it is with rivalries and stuff, uh, but there's a, a group of geese. Uh, they, they came from another magical place called Canada. And for some reason, they, they have this idea of, like, stirring up trouble. And it's one of the things the adults really are concerned about. And what the geese like to do is... Uh, Lead, lead like uh, so. What they thought is that the geese led Willow on a goose chase, which is like you know, put, to, to to just make fun of the kid, but also maybe make them head out on their own earlier than they're ready to. So sometimes they do that by saying, "Hey, you, I think you could have a career," like uh, you know, and then they say, "Well, we're like uh, you know, we'll help you get started. Let's head to River Bottom." Or they say, hey, I wonder what would happen if you moved to, you know, why don't you move to the next town? Uh, uh, and it was some of the adults, because these geese were, really didn't have, like, they were up to something. Or they would just, like, uh, do it for fun and then watch it and say, wow, look at that, look at that beaver swimming around. Uh, like, hey, we set up this adventure course for you. And at the end is, a, you know, a year's supply of uh, nuts or whatever, or, you know, whatever your family consumes. But there never was. And then usually the kids were gone for like a week or two searching, and then they would come home, they'd be tired. And drew, drew, drove chiefly on nuts. Uh, so he wanted to just put a stop to it. And uh, so that's what he thought was happening, was that the geese came in again they hadn't done this in a long time, and he he had you know personally dealt with it with his own in his own life's journey, and so he kind of was always had a like a resentment against these geese, and he was sure they were up to it again, and somewhere out there they're leading Willow on a goose chase, and he was determined to put a stop to it. Uh, and, and the chief headed over to Willow's house and, of course, like, went out and started looking around and noticed uh, uh, out by their soldiers. So, well, it looks like uh, Willow was out here, uh, Francis, uh, in the bank. And Francis, of course, was very concerned. I don't think those kids, uh, you know, sent your daughter on a goose chase. I think it's probably... 
a double dare. I think it might be a goose chase. And then, of course, Francis is like, well, I don't want my kid on a goose chase. Uh, you know, what if she stubs her, you know, the tail? Or what if the beavers or the goose geese get it in my mind to have her start her own career before she's ready or whatever? And the chief said, geez, this is weird. I found a combination of goose feathers and bunny fur out in a shed covered in some sort of goop. Uh, and if uh, you ever caught any geese or bunnies in your storage shed? And I said, no, it might be old, you know. You know, my ex, uh, he, he he used to keep, like, I don't know who, what he was doing in that storage shed when we weren't storing stuff for the winter. And then she said, okay, I'm going to get together a group and we're going to go on a, we're going to go on a geese, geese looking thing. We're going to put a stop to this geese chase. And I'm sure that's what's happening. It's going to be totally fine. Uh, so don't worry at all. Now, while all this was happening, uh, out beyond the road, there were buildings and there were things going on there. Odd, odder things, uh, odder than an otter, I'd say. And, you know, we never knew what it was, but we would know there'd be strange noises or puffing, smoke you know, or whirring, in addition to the sounds on the road. And uh, this particular night, uh, as it started to come, uh, there was a lot going on out there, a lot of noise. If we were out there, if we had not, if we had listened in the uh, sound collector, we would have heard more and more activity than it had been. We would have also heard the creak of the gate on the tunnel. And then we would have heard a gentle swimming as... Uh, Something swam through that, uh, a little tiny, uh, well, about the same size as an editor, uh, swimming through, gently paddling and looking around. Uh, something that was a little bit lost, I'd say. And eventually that lost thing paddled towards town, uh, hungry for a snack. Now, it wasn't a big bunny, I could tell you that, uh. And it happened to go to Sullivan's Pancake House, and uh, old Sullivan was there, the nicest person in town, runs the Pancake House, also a diner. And uh, this little little thing uh, snuck in the back door of uh, Sullivan's Pancake House, and Sullivan was uh, slinging those pancakes and telling jokes and greeting everyone and being kind and uh, this little thing plotted on all fours and then got up on two legs and started eating pancakes uh, right off the, the assembly line before their toppings had been properly added. And Sullivan found out and said, Hey, what in the hay are you doing? Uh, and eventually, like, because of the big size of Sullivan's heart, said, well, I've never seen anything that looks like you before. You look like you're pretty hungry. Why don't you sit down? And we'll have, uh, we'll, we'll have, we'll eat together. Uh, and at first it was tentative, and Sullivan says, okay, you know, like, I, I'll close the pancake house down. It's, you know, past pancake time. It's not pancake o'clock uh, after eight. 
And uh, Sullivan sat down with uh, with, with this, this thing. Now this thing, I guess he said, "Well, geez, what, what, what what's your name?" And, and you spent a lot of time on all fours. You're now like us, walking on two legs. Uh, and uh, the, the the thing didn't say anything back. It just said, "Keep it." Well, you're a hungry one for sure. You got a name? I'm 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 Sully. You could call me. Sullivan, or you could call us in and uh, ha ha ha. And it looked like the, the, the thing looked back and smiled and said, Well, you got a you look like a beaver, but you got a bill. And uh, it was all right if I call you Billy, B I L L I E, you know, because I don't know, you know, I just know I'm not, how does that feel for you? And uh, Billy said, Billy, and nodded its bill and its beaver-like head. And Sullivan said, well, she said, go ahead and keep eating, Billy. Uh, never seen anything with webbed feet either. I'll be right back. And Sullivan went, went out back and uh, went inside and tried to call uh, uh, this, like another division of the chief's office. Uh, they, they, they just keeps an eye on said, geez, I got this, uh, I got somebody lost here and, uh, I think they lost their way home and they don't really talk much. Uh, never seen anything like it. It's got a duck's bill and a beaver body and webbed feet. Uh, and they said, okay, we'll send somebody by. Now, the one thing you might not know is that the person on the other end of the phone wasn't in our town. They were on the other side of the road. Somewhere deep in a building on the other side of the road was also a fox, a fox named Dr. Max Modine, wearing a lab coat and a leader of whatever was going on back there. Very mysterious, very odd. Uh, they said, Dr. Max, we got them. We know where they are. And Dr. Max said, let's go. And they headed out. And these whispered quiet boats uh, towards uh, Sullivan's pancake house. And at first, it was just a regular innocuous person. Well, another another forest friend went up to the door and knocked. And, and Sullivan said, oh, hey, uh, we're closed. Uh, no, you know, it's past pancake o'clock. And they said, oh, no, no, uh, winkity, winkity, wink. And Sullivan said, oh, okay, they're in back. Uh, uh, like... Uh, Oh, and I forgot to tell you, though. Well, I'll just explain it now. But meanwhile, uh, Billy was uh, sensed something was different uh, and then looked and recognized the person at the door. Billy made a move uh, towards the back door of Sullivan's Pancake House. Uh, and then in the back came more of uh, Dr. Max Modine's uh, crew from the silent boats and uh, Billy had some sort of powers. I don't know. It's odd, and I don't know how to explain it to you right now. Uh, that was able to have everybody go into slow motion with a kind of opening of uh, their bill, Billy's bill. And Billy rushed past them into the night, and it was just started raining. Dr. Mac, they said, Dr. Max, uh, Billy got away, and Dr. Max said, okay, we'll track her down. And uh, Billy, Billy headed out into the night. Now, meanwhile, 
I was laying in my room and I had, uh, had just had it out with my parents because I said, well, what about uh, Willow? We didn't, they grounded me for daring Willow. I said, we didn't dare Willow. And Willow's not on a goose chase. Or even if Willow is, uh, what about if it's a big bunny? And they said, there's no big bunnies, Emma. It's just a metaphor. And we know you probably, one of you double dared her. If it wasn't you, it's one of your friends. Uh, and I said, we just want to help look for Willow. What if we didn't dare? Because we didn't. And they said, go to your room. Now it's lying in my room and I was thinking about uh the game, and, the, and then they said, well, Willow, and I, I called up, I used to, we, we was these tin can phones all the way across through the trees to my friend's places, and they called LJ, and they called Vaughn, and I said, hey, what if, what, Willow, double, double bait, uh, what if Willow really did, what if there really is a big bunny, and Willow's out there doing double bait on the bunny, and they said, okay, let's go look. And it was raining, and we got on our, snuck out of our houses, and we got on our bikes. Of course, when I was sneaking out, I noticed my brother uh, uh, trying to get, uh, said, oh, Dario, don't worry about it. Let's just do some flashcards and brush my fur. You know, we'll worry about your uh, sister later. Uh, but we headed out on our bikes, and then... Uh, we headed into this kind of like the clumpy part of the swamp, not that far from the edge of the swamp, from the road. And we we're, once again, you know, we were all arguing and saying this was a terrible idea. Of course, it was raining. And it was a little bit chilly. And we we're going back and forth. And then V said, I hear a bunny. I, I think I hear a bunny. And I said, I think. I, and then we were kind of like uh, we're thinking we were in presence of a big bunny. Then there was a flash in the sky, and we saw on a log across uh, some water what looked like a beaver. And we said, uh, well, oh, well, it's a you, but it was raining really hard. So we said, well, let's get closer. And they said, well, what if it's a big, what if it's a double bait big bunny? And we said, don't worry about it. Well, just let's go. We got to get, well, it might be just, uh, you know, we got to help our friend. And we headed towards it, and then we got close uh, to the to the log, and then the thunder, the lightning flashed again, and we saw that it was a wasn't a beaver. It was uh, it was a kid just like us, but it had a duck's bill and, and a beaver body and webbed feet. And we kind of stood there, uh, and it was soaking wet, and it kind of looked a little bit frowny. So we immediately felt felt for it, and it said. Uh, I talk words, I talk words, uh, Billy, Billy talk words. And uh, we were amazed. Uh, and I think that's probably, I got to go because my mom's about to start calling me and saying it's bedtime, Willow. So I got to run, but it's because it's bedtime. Uh, so I'm going to get in my bed and curl up and uh, get comfortable and cozy and go to sleep. Uh, good night.